You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Good morning, City Tribe. I'm so happy to be able to come and to share with you a word today that I hope that will really encourage you. And I also want to encourage you right now just to take time to share this post. Maybe you want to host a viewing party or or text a friend to listen online, and uh, I think it really will be a source of encouragement. As we continue our series on Better Recognize, we're looking at the stories of Jesus out of the book of John. We're looking at how we can know Jesus better and know him more intimately. Our goal is to be familiar with Jesus, with his personality, his preferences, and his perspectives. And in order for us to do that, we have to suspend our presumptions of what we think about Jesus. We need to listen and to learn what he has to say. And we need to spend specific, significant time in his presence. You know, we're living in times that it's full of anxiety about the future. We're having to face our fears on a daily basis because of all the unknown that's around us. And for me, it's actually really been uh, a challenge each day to get through another day. There are days when I'm up and there's days when I'm down. There's days when I have joy. There's days when I have anger. Uh, but it's, it can be very, very difficult. And in our circumstances that surround us uh, with the potential of sickness or even death from COVID-19, uh, it's easy for us to get overwhelmed when we think about death. You know, here in the USA, uh, we've had the privilege to be insulated from the reality in the threat of death. But in many countries that I've traveled in, that's not a luxury that they have because death is something that is very evident around them because of the lack of health care and different things that can go on. And so death is a part of everyday life in many places in the world. But we in the USA, we're not used to having this being sent our ways through the airwaves, through the news reports of so much death. Each day we get to hear the numbers of how many new cases there are of COVID-19, of how many deaths have, have occurred. And I don't know about you, but this can be a huge source of anxiety and uncertainty in my life. And most of us have never experienced this. And I can honestly say in recent years, we've never experienced anything like this with the threat of death that's all around us. And I want you to hear this morning that though it may seem uncertain and though death may surround us as it is being reported, that it's not just death to our bodies that we worry about, but Many of us, all of us, in some form or fashion, either in our family and our friends, there's the death of jobs. There's the death of opportunities. There's the death of relationship. But the one thing that I want to share with you this, this morning is that no matter what you are facing, it's never too late. It's never too late. You know, I can remember as a little boy, I was four or five years old, uh, my family and I, I'm the youngest of four children, uh, we lived in a city called White Salmon, Washington. It was about 20 miles north of Portland, just over the border from Oregon. And I can remember as a young lad, and this is a vivid memory that when I was preparing this, uh, it came to, to my mind. 
And I can remember every afternoon I was home by myself. My brothers and sisters were in school. And I can remember sitting in front of the TV. And I'd be laying on the floor on my pillow. I'd be watching the cartoons. And eventually the cartoons would run out and it would become news time. And my parents loved to watch Walter Cronkite. Yeah, that, that tells you how old I am. A great newscaster. And I can remember watching the news with my parents. And it wouldn't be long into the beginning of the broadcast that they would begin to post the numbers of deaths that occurred in the Vietnam War with our young men getting killed. It also would give the numbers of the men that had been wounded. And throughout the Vietnam War, there was over 58,220 soldiers that were killed. And it was really the first memory that I had that I began to understand about mass death, if you will. And I share all of this not to bring you down, but to give you context to the message that I want to share with you. In the book of John, it's interesting that John, in some form, he used the word believe 98 times in his account, proving that faith in Christ is essential for salvation. It is essential for us to live our lives as a Christ follower. God's uh, word shows us in in John's book that his book, this book, was given to provoke us to believe. Now, in our series, we are using the definition of believe as to accept or to affirm. To accept or to affirm who Jesus is. And, you know, so many times, and what I love about the story that we're going to look at here in just a moment in John chapter 11 is... When I really think about Jesus, many, many times it's easy for us to think about him as our savior, but today I really want to zero in on the humanity of who Jesus was. Jesus was God, and yet he came in the form of man. And like I said, I love the story that I'm going to share with you today because it really does show you his personality. It shows you his preferences. It shows you his perspective of everyday life. He was just like you and me. In Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7, the scripture reads, it says, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Even though he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He took on the form of a bondservant. He was made in the likeness of men. The great author C.S. Lewis Uh, wrote this quote, and I thought it was a great quote for today. It said that the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. And that's what we see when we look at Jesus in his humanity. We're going to look at that today. But then also the reality that it was because he did walk on this earth like you and me, with all the pressures of life, with all the things that we go through. It was because of that. And because of he died on a cross and was resurrected, that we can be sons of God. Jesus is like all of us. He had family. He had friends. He had the pressure of everyday life. And one of his favorite places to, to go to was the home of Mary and Martha in the city of Bethany. It was a place where Jesus felt welcomed where he felt taken care of. And in this story, we're going to see there was two sisters. There was a sister named Martha. 
Martha was kind of a busybody. She was always busy preparing things for Jesus and his disciples when they would come visit their home. And she had the gift of serving and hospitality. And then the other sister, Mary, was more comfortable with just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And before we get to our story in John chapter 11, I want to look at a few things that tell us about the differences between these two sisters. In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, the scripture reads that now as they traveled along, speaking of Jesus and his disciples, they entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into their home. And so you can see the gift of hospitality that they came into Bethany and she was there to welcome them to come in. And she had a sister and she was called Mary and she was seated at the Lord's feet and listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all the preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to do all the serving? And then the Lord Jesus, he said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're bothered about so many things. But the only thing that is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away. So in this passage, we see the difference of the two sisters. We see Martha, that she's serving, doing practical things, serving and meeting the physical needs of Jesus. It was all about doing. It was showing her devotion through serving. I like to say that it represents the compassion of God. And my definition of compassion is meeting the practical needs for hurting humanity. And so if you will, Martha really represents our walk with God that has to deal with the horizontal relationships that we have with our brothers and sisters that we walk with every day. Now, Mary was different. She loved sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing his stories and knowing him in a deeper manner. And I've always seen her as one that represents the passion of God, the prayer, the intercession, the worship, which really is the vertical part of our relationship with God. And the one thing is we have been in this very difficult time of COVID-19 that gets to be a challenge sometimes. Those horizontal relationships can become very difficult. I know I have even struggled many days in feeling abandoned and feeling discouraged. And the one thing that I realize is that if I will work on this vertical relationship with God, if I'll listen to worship, I'll listen to sermons, things that build it up, it builds me up in my spirit so that I can be a better tool to be used for God to express his love through compassion. So this passage shows us the tension between these two sisters. Martha's upset because she's not getting help from her sister Mary, and yet Jesus, and he says to her, Mary, she's chosen the better thing, and he gives a gentle rebuke to her that she just needs to chill. I think that each one of us, we have a tendency, we have a dominant trait, if you will, to be more like a Martha or to be more like a Mary. I know I'm a Martha. I, I, I love to do things. I love to serve. I love to be able to express the heart of God to people. But we're either driven by compassion or by passion. But the truth is, is that that really does speak to who we really need to be. We need to be a people of compassion. We need to be a people of passion. Now, I wanted to share with you this passage out of Luke so you could see the love and the relationship that Jesus had with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He loved being in their home. 
They were his friends. They were his family. Now, if you would, in your Bible or your pad or your phone, you can go to John chapter 11, and we're going to get into the meat, if you will, of our story today as we look at the death and the resurrection of Lazarus. We're going to look at three different tests that we see in the Scripture that I want to share with you today. In the first one, it is the test of love. And the truth is, is Jesus loved his friends. In verse 1 of John chapter 11, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who had anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. He wasn't in their village. He was away with his disciples. And he said, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So we see from Scripture that even Mary and Martha are testifying to the love that he had for Lazarus. But when Jesus heard this, his first response was, This sickness is not to death, but it's for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified. That word glory is a word that we really don't understand because we don't use it a lot, but the glory means that it's going to show who God is. It's going to show his strength, his power, his might. But he says that the Son of God may be glorified. And then in verse 5, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. You know, there's many times in life when we're faced with difficult circumstances that we really don't see how God could use those situations. And even when times are hard, we have to remind ourselves that Jesus loves us. We have to believe in his words. In Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39, it was a passage that came to mind when I was studying for this. And it says this, it says, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither, listen to this, because this is so apropos for the time in which we live, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below indeed, nothing in all creation, that includes the virus, nothing in all creation will ever, ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us In Christ Jesus our Lord. We are reminded that no matter the circumstances, God's love will never abandon us. And there's some of you that really need to hear that. That you really may right now feel that everything has abandoned you. That maybe because you can't be around people, you can't be in community, it's so easy to feel the abandonment. But I'm here to tell you that God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But he sees your circumstances and his love is always towards you. So no matter what's going on in your life, I want you to hear this, that it's never too late. It's never too late. And so we see here the test of the love that Jesus had for them. And he truly did love uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. The second test that we see here is the test of patience. And it was when Jesus, we'll see here in the story in just a moment, that Jesus literally delayed his coming to, uh, to see Lazarus in his sickness. 
There's a statement that I use many times, and it's this, is that Jesus is never early, he's never late, but he's always on time. And this is one of the hardest things, I think, for all of us to understand. We've all had experiences where we've been waiting for God to do something. It seems that the prayers that we prayed are are not heard, much less answered. And I was reminded of this song that Garth Brooks, a country guy, uh, uh, artist, uh, wrote a song a long time ago called Unanswered Prayer. And I just want to read the chorus here to you. It says, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean that he don't care. Because some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer. You know, and I think about that, uh, I think about many times in my life, uh, there are a lot of prayers that I'm glad that God didn't answer. And you might want to post in the comments there, amen to that. You know, it may have been that girl that you thought you should have married or that man that you thought you should have married and you were praying for and it didn't work out and you didn't marry them. And I'm sure by now you're glad that you didn't marry them because God brought you someone else. Or it may have been a circumstance, an opportunity that you thought was going to make you a lot of money and you prayed and you, you felt like that that was, was going to happen and it didn't happen. Sometimes I'm extremely thankful for unanswered prayers. But in this situation, the lack of, uh, of response from Jesus was a great concern to them because Martha and Mary were going to learn, have to learn on how to be patient. In verse 6, the story continues, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And so it says, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days. Now, that's a really unusual statement for me to think about that because most of us, if we had a loved one, if we had a friend that was sick in the city of San Antonio or even in another state or another, another part of the world, if they were sick even to the point of death, we would do everything we could do to get there as quickly as we can. But Jesus waited two days in the place where he was. And then after that, he said to his disciples, hey, listen, let's go to Judea again. Again, and that's significant because what it says next, it says the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you're going to go there again? So even in the face of what could be great pain and destruction to the life of Jesus, that's how much that he loved them. That He says, guys, we're going to go. And then he goes on in verse 11, it says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. It's kind of an unusual word. He didn't say that he was dead. And in the Old Testament, ter- Old Testament language, many times they would use that word that he was asleep. But he says, I'm going to go that I may awaken him out of his sleep. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he's going to recover. Do we really have to go is kind of what they're saying. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of a literal sleep. So then Jesus plainly said to them, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe, let us go to him. So even the whole context of this miracle that we're going to see unfold in just a minute, it was so that the disciples would grow in their faith. And so you may be going through a season right now 
where it seems that your prayers are not heard or not answered. But again, I want to remind you that it's never too late. The last test that we see here, and this is really the meat of the story here because it talks about the miracle of what took place, is that we see the test of faith. Jesus finally arrives into the town of Bethany. It says in verse 17, So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb, not for two days, for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem and about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. And and Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, being the the go-getter that she is, she went to meet him. She didn't even wait for Jesus to get to the house. She ran to the place that Jesus was at where he was entering or coming into the village. But it says that Mary stayed in the house. We're going to look at the response of Martha and Mary as we look at this test of faith. In verse 21, Martha finally gets to Jesus and she said to him, and I want you to listen to these words, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Now, that's a true statement. I mean, we had seen many miracles. You've heard in this series of Better Recognize of the many miracles that Jesus has done, healing the blind, turning the water into wine. And so it would have been something that he could have done. He could have prevented the death of Lazarus. But listen to her next statement, which is so significant. But she says this, Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. I mean, do you hear that statement of faith that she has in Jesus? Though the reality of death is real, he's been in the tomb for four days, and yet Jesus responds back to her, and he says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And yet Jesus said to her, and here we're going to hear one of the big I am's, the decoration of who Jesus is, the thing that we need to recognize about Jesus. We hear him say this, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, he will live even if he dies. I mean, what a great statement. You see, we do not have to live in fear of death. Because even if I die, I'm going to live. The spirit of death will not touch me. My physical body may die, but I will go from life to life. And Jesus is making that statement when he says, I am the resurrection of life. He goes on in verse 26. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks the question, and I ask this question to you this morning. Maybe you're uh, someone that's a spiritual investigator. Or maybe you're someone that's walked with the Lord. And, and your faith is being tested right now. And Jesus asked this question to her. And he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? You may want to put in a comment, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. And there are times with all of us where we struggle with our belief because our circumstances and our situations seem to be so much greater than our own faith that we have in God. But it is an opportunity in those times for us to grow in our faith. He asked her, do you believe? And she said to him, yes, Lord, 
I do believe in you, that you are the Christ, that you're the Son of God, and he who comes into this world. And so from this passage, we see that Martha's response so showed that she had faith that Jesus could bring her brother back to life. And that's what I'm trying to encourage you today is, is it is it for your faith to be stirred up to believe in God, to trust in God. In verse 28, that was Martha's response. We begin to see Mary's response. The one that loved to sit at the feet of Jesus. Martha was a doer, a server. Mary was one that loved to be around Jesus and know him more intimately. And yet, let's look at her response. And it says that when she had said this, that's speaking of Martha to Jesus, she went away and she called Mary, her sister, saying to her secretly, she walked up to her sister. She said, hey, the teacher's here. He's calling for you. And when she heard this, she got up quickly and he was coming to him. And the Jews that were with Mary in the house in consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly, they went out with her and they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And therefore, when Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him and she fell at his feet. Back in Luke, we see her sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning about him, hearing his stories, a great time of intimacy and love, uh, just, just loving being around Jesus. All the circumstances around her uh, were okay. There wasn't, it wasn't anything bad. It was a happy time. But this time, when she falls at the feet of Jesus, she's in mourning. Her brother Lazarus has died. And then we see this one sentence of her response to Jesus. She fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. She said the same thing as Martha, but yet nothing followed. Faith did not follow that statement that he could do something else about it. But her statement was one of unbelief. She doesn't express any faith that Jesus could change the situation. So Jesus responds back to Mary. And it says in verse 33, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was troubled. Now, it's interesting. I'm reading most of the scripture out of what's called the New American Standard Bible. And that word trouble there is a really interesting word. And in the NIV, the New International Version, let me read the same verse. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people welling with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. And I ask you this, what was Jesus angry at? I believe that he was angry at their unbelief. In the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 58, it says about Jesus, even in his own hometown, it says, he could not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. One of my mentors through the years was a man named Alan Vincent, a man from England, an incredible scholar, 
a, a man that literally could quote chapters of the Bible from memory. He was brilliant. He just went to be with the Lord just a couple of months ago. But he made this statement that I use very often. And he said this about faith. It doesn't take much faith for God to move. I mean, the Bible says it's the faith of a mustard seed, which is like a, uh, if I took a sharpened pencil and dotted a piece of paper, it's that big. It's very, very small. It doesn't take, take much faith for God to move, but there must be the absence of unbelief. And that's what one of my prayers will be for us this morning, is that we would be a people of faith that we would be a, a people that would believe and trust in God no matter what our circumstances are, and we would get rid of all unbelief. So Mary and Martha, as they face the death of her brother, they are having to make a decision, would they believe? Many of you are facing circumstances today that may seem dead, but I'm asking you, would you believe that Jesus can change things? Because no matter what we're facing, it's never too late. And I want to encourage you right now, if you're in agreement with that, would you just take a moment and would you post that? Just say, it's never too late. Post it right now. It's never too late. And after hearing the response of Mary and Martha, the mood changes with Jesus. And he begins to kick into action, if you will. Verse 34 says, he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then we see in verse 35, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, if not the shortest verse. And here it is, we see the humanity of Jesus. It says that Jesus wept. Jesus cried. Jesus was sad at the loss of his friend Lazarus because he loved him dearly. And so we can see the humanity of Jesus beginning to rise up within him as he's faced with the reality that his friend has died. Verse 36, as we continue to see this story unfold, it says, the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But then there were some of them that could say, could not this man who had opened the eyes of the blind man, could he not have kept this man from dying? So you can see both the positive and the negative perspectives that they had of who Jesus was. One group saw that how much he loved him. The other group said that, you know, if he would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And so Jesus says in verse 38, he was deeply moved within again, and he came to the tomb. Now it was a cave. There was a stone that was lying across the front of it, which would have been the custom, where, which is where they buried people would be in caves or in tombs. And then Jesus said to the people, remove the stone. That, that's a simple little statement. But the point that I want to make from this is when we have the challenges, when we are being tested in our faith, is that we have to participate with God. It doesn't just happen. We have to participate with Him, with God. Because faith requires action and so they remove the stone. Martha, the sister of Lazarus, the deceased, said to him, Lord, uh, are you sure you want to do that? Because there's going to be a stench. For he's been dead for four days. So she was just making a statement. I mean, he's not just dead. He's really dead. Four days. 
And the King James even uses a word, he stinketh. And he, he would stinketh, I promise you. If you've ever around, been around anything that's been dead for four days, it's not a great smell. And you can imagine the stone is rolled away. Aroma would have come out. It would not have been pleasant. And it's just showing to them this testing of their faith. And, she, and, and Martha says that statement. He's really been dead for four days, Jesus. He's going to stink. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of of God. You may be in circumstances in your life right now, and it stinks. There's nothing good going on, but I, I, I say the same statement to you that Jesus said to Martha. Do you believe? Do you believe? I want to encourage you today to say, Lord, I believe that you can change things. I believe that you can change things and you're going to see the glory of God. You're going to see God do things to change things. I'm praying that even this week that that we can get testimonies. We will get testimonies of circumstances that changes uh, in our life. And it says, so they removed the stone. Their faith took action in verse 41. And then Jesus raised his eyes. And Jesus did something that he normally doesn't do. He prays out loud on purpose. And he says this, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around here, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. You see, this is testifying of who God is, but more than that, it's testifying who Jesus is, that he truly is the Son of God. And so he makes this statement, and then he said these things, He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The tomb has been opened. The stone's been rolled away. They acted in faith, doing what Jesus told them to do. And then Jesus makes the declaration. And then it says in verse 44, the man Lazarus who had died, he came forth But he was bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped all around with a cloth. And then he says to them, unbind him and let him go. It was another action of faith. They had to do something to unbind him and to let him go. He would have been wrapped. His body would have been wrapped. His head would have been wrapped with cloth. And so they unbind him. And it says in verse 45 that there were many of the Jews who had come to Mary. They saw what he had done and they believed in him. Let our hearts be encouraged today that no matter what we're facing, that if we believe, he can resurrect the dead. There's a statement that I make. This is a sign and a wonder uh, of what Jesus just did, one of the most profound other than the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus himself. But there's a statement that I make all all the time about signs and wonders, and it's this. Signs and wonders don't build faith but they provoke you to believe. Signs and wonders don't build faith. They provoke you to believe. You know, I can remember about 12 years ago, I was doing a lot of traveling and work in the country of Mozambique in a city called Pimba, which is on the east side of the great continent of Africa. And we were working there with a a ministry called Iris Ministries led by uh, Roland and Heidi Baker. 
Uh, it's an incredible ministry uh, that is there in Africa. Uh, in that movement, they planted over 5,000 churches. Uh, and that was, it's probably more than that now. That was a, a number of years ago. That number was being used. But I can remember one particular time we had gone there with a uh, with a team. Uh, actually, Rick Lopez, which is part of our, our City Tribe family, uh, he was with me. And we went there, and we were going to do an outreach in a Muslim vi village. It was a place that had never heard the gospel. And what they would do uh, as a ministry is they would go and set up in these villages. They'd get a generator. They'd show the Jesus move, uh, movie, and then uh, they would declare the gospel. So we went there, and there's no electricity anywhere. I mean, there's just a small team of us that are there, and we're surrounded with Mozambicans, uh, with African people, sweet people. And the, the, the movie is played, and then Heidi gets up and begins to preach in Makula, uh, the language of the Mozambiques, blonde hair, white, but just a great fiery preacher, and she begins to declare who Jesus who is, and then she begins to speak, is there someone that would like to be healed? And I'll never forget, there was this young boy, nine years old, that from birth had been totally deaf. And I remember as we, we see that Jesus prayed for people and they were healed, Heidi, Heidi did the same thing. She laid her hands on him and she prayed for the little boy and his ears opened. It was a sign and it was a wonder. And I want you to know that that night, because of that miracle, many, many, many people came to know who Jesus was. Before that night was over, we met with the village elders and we negotiated with them and we asked them would they like to have a church of uh, the living God that she had preached in, uh, the name that she had preached in. And that night, they agreed for us to be able to plant a church. That night, with our small group of people, we took up an offering, $2,800, and we were able to purchase a piece of land. And within the month, there was a church that was planted there. But you see, the signs and wonders don't build faith, but they provoke us to believe. We're all faced with circumstances that seem to be dead. As I said earlier, it may be your job. It may be your relationship. It may be your health or the sickness of a loved one or a friend. We're surrounded on every front with uncertainty, but I want to remind you this morning, and please listen to me, that Jesus loves you, that he is your friend. He knows what you're going through. He deeply cares about your every need, and he wants you to believe in him. And no matter what the circumstances are, it's never too late. So we're going to be tested in our love. We're going to be tested with patience. And we're going to be tested in our faith. In closing, I want to share with you a couple of scriptures. In Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God and God will direct your path. You know, it's interesting that word trust there really does have a lot to do with what we believe and whether we are truly expressing faith in something or God. The illustration that I like to use many, many times is the illustration of a chair. As we look at this chair, we can see that it's made out of metal. It, it seems to be constructed really, really well. And it really looks like it could be something that 
could hold me. And so I can say all day long that I believe that this chair could hold me. I can say it. I can study it. But you know what? Until I take the time and take the step to sit in the chair, I really don't trust it. And you know, that's the way it is with God so many times. People say they believe in a God or they believe in Jesus, and yet they've never really put their trust in him. And so trust is the verb form of faith. It means that we believe just as I believe that this chair can hold me, I do believe that there is a God. I do believe that there is a Savior, Jesus, that can forgive me of all my sins and give me a new life. But I have to trust. So as we think about that verse, that if we'll trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not into our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge God, God says he will direct our paths. A couple other scriptures that I wanted to share with you is found in James chapter 1. Listen to this. It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is going to produce endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Hebrews 10, verse 35 through 36 this is a, a verse that really rings out in my heart just to share this morning because it deals with our confidence, our, our confidence to face every day when it comes at us. Hebrews 10, verse 35 through 36 says this, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have the need of endurance, for after you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. I hope you're encouraged this morning that no matter what you're facing, no matter the circumstances, that it's never too late. Let's pray together. Father, I just come today and I thank you for the opportunity just to come and to share words of encouragement with our family and with our friends from all around the world. Father, I pray that right now, Lord, I pray for there to be a spirit of encouragement uh, to be released within the hearts of people. Lord, it says in Proverbs that a hope deferred makes the heart sick. And Father, that deferment, that pushing off, I pray right now that in their souls, as hope is the anchor of the soul, Father, I just speak into the mind, the will, and the emotions of my friends here. And Father, I pray that you would anchor them again in hope. Father, I come in the name of Jesus and Father, I pray for those that have faced the, lo the losing of their job. And Lord, I just pray right now over people's employment. I pray for favor over applications. Uh, I pray for favor over, over bids and contracts or whatever it may be. Father, you know that what they need when it comes to work, and I pray over them. And Father, I also pray, Lord, just over everyone's heart, that seems to be so trapped that they can't be who they are. They can't do what they felt called to do. And all of us feel that, Father, that we feel trapped in some way. But Lord, I just pray what your scripture says. This is that we can cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. 
And Father, I pray for people that have experienced things that have broken their heart. And Lord, I, I speak right now that your scripture says that you're forever near the brokenhearted. And Lord, I even pray right now for those that may be sick with the coronavirus. Father, I pray for those that, that may be struggling physically. And Father, just as we saw in this story, it said, if you would believe that you can move. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, and I speak healing over friends right now. I speak healing over people right now. Lord, I pray that you would just release your presence in the name of Jesus and just bless them. But Lord, we just thank you today that, Lord, that we have a relationship with you that can give us hope. We have a relationship with you that can give us joy, that can give us peace, that can give us patience. And Father, I even pray right now for some that may be listening, that, Lord, maybe they have been a spiritual investigator and they've never given their life to Christ. Father, I pray that today that they would not only just know about God and even believe about God, but Lord, they would trust in God. They would put their trust in you. And if, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, simply all you have to pray is say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I know that I've sinned against you, but I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. And Father, I ask for you to forgive me of my sins and I receive the gift of salvation. And if you prayed that prayer and you believe it in your heart, said it with your lips and believe it with your heart, Jesus has come into your life. So Father, I pray that we will be a people that are full of faith, a people that are full of joy, a people that are full of life, as we get through this difficult time. I bless you in the name of Jesus. We're glad you're a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.